So over, over the last uh, couple of services, uh, Palm Sunday, uh, I, I was saying last Sunday that when it came to Palm Sunday uh, and all the celebration that accompanied Jesus entering into Jerusalem, that Jesus' disciples and followers perhaps thought, you know, this was it. Jesus is going to be crowned the king and that's it. But actually Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was going to happen in the next few days. Jesus knew the crowd was going to turn against him because Jesus knows everything. And on a Friday night in our Good Friday service, I was saying that from the disciples' perspective, that Good Friday was so different than our Good Friday is because we look back on Good Friday through the lens of Easter Sunday. We, we know what came next, but they didn't. And I was saying that the disciples didn't know what was happening. Jesus knows everything. The disciples didn't know. And here on Easter Sunday, I just want to make this real simple statement. We know. We know. Luke chapter 24, verse 34 says this. It is true, the Lord has risen. And thank God this Easter Sunday, we know, we know, it is true, the Lord has risen. Back in the early 1990s, I was, uh, I, I traveled to Moscow on uh, four occasions over a two-year period of time. I was helping a young man who was uh, starting a church that was really thriving um, after the freedom of communism falling and and freedom of religion being introduced into the country. There was like a great Christian renewal revival swept through the land. And this young guy was pastoring a church that was growing incredibly. And I was able to, to go there and to be with him on, that, on four different occasions over a two-year period. And I remember one night I'm walking with him in Red Square. And looking across Red Square, I saw this big kind of black thing building in some distance. I said, what's that? He said, Lenin's tomb. I said, oh, what's in it? <laughs> All right, you're smarter than I am. I don't argue about it. He said, Lenin. <laughs> okay, I got the point. <laughs> yep, that's where he was. Great leader for that nation. And guess what was in Lenin's tomb? Lenin. Lenin. But in 1978 and in 1980, I went to Israel. And in Jerusalem, I went to the garden tomb. And I went into the garden tomb. And do you know what was in the garden tomb? Nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. Because the Lord has risen. Today we celebrate the pivotal, the central, the most essential truth upon which our faith stands. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, this is my 52nd Easter preaching. So I'm thinking, what shall I preach about Easter Sunday? And I thought, I think I'll preach about the resurrection of Jesus. That's a good start, right? And you know, it's very interesting. I, 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 see, I see how different preachers, and I'm not here to knock any preacher, I see how different ones approach it, and we're all different. And I see some people at, at different times have approached Easter Sunday and gone at it from quite a scholastic angle. So five 
proofs of the resurrection of Jesus. So they'll go through the proofs of the resurrection or, or they'll try to debunk some of the, 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 the lies that were circulated and have been about the resurrection. And that's not my goal today. My goal is not to feed your intellect and convince your mind, but my goal is to stir your heart with this unbelievable truth. I, I just heard this past week about a, a pastor one Sunday after service, as folks were leaving, a, a, a man came to him and said, that was a wonderful sermon, pastor. I, you know, I think you're smarter than Einstein. So what do you say to that? Just say, thank you very much. So do I. No, he didn't say that. But, but he just said, thank you, and that was it. But after service, he said to his wife, what do you think he meant? She said, I don't know. And it was bugging him the whole week. So the following Sunday, he, he said to this guy, he said, you, you said that you think I'm smarter than Einstein. I, I don't quite understand that. And he said, well, they reckon that there are only 10% of people living who could fully understand what Einstein was talking about. But with your preaching, I think there's even less than 10% that can fully understand what you're talking about. So you must be smarter than Einstein. So I'm not looking to feed your brain with facts that confuse you or even that make you go, wow. Here's what it says in the book of Romans. It says, it is with the heart that we believe. That's where it comes from. And that's what I want to just look at this morning, talking about what we know about the resurrection and why we know that Jesus has risen again. And here's the thing, we know that Jesus has risen because we have met him. Okay, we're going to practice this, and, and I want you to get into the flow of this, okay? Some of you I know haven't been here since Christmas, so you're... you're you need to pick things up again, okay? So I say something that sounds really good and you say amen, okay? <laughs> or, all right, all right, that, that good, all right? So we know Jesus has risen from the dead because we have met him. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're, we're getting there, okay? We, we know that Jesus has risen from the dead because he talks to us. Yeah. We know that Jesus has risen from the dead because he has turned our lives around. Okay, you got it? All right. Now I'm going to take 25 minutes to tell you more about those three things. We know. <laughs> We're good. Can you come back for second service? A <laughs> we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. In John chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this. Listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There's nothing secondhand here, no hearsay. I'm not telling you this morning just something that somebody else told me. I'm telling you something I know, and I know it by experience. I know that Jesus is alive. Amen. I know it. I know it. You don't have to give me 97 proofs that Jesus rose from the dead. I'll give you the greatest ever proof that Jesus rose from the dead. He turned my life around. And, and there are several hundred people in this room here, and you will say, hey, I know that too because Jesus turned my life around. We know, thank God, 
And today's a celebration, a reminder for us of what we know and how important it is. We know that Jesus has risen. We know it, first of all, because we have met him. We know because we have met him. Or, or to be more precise, he met us. Amen. You know, what's interesting in, in the New Testament is every post-resurrection appearance of Jesus was at his instigation. There's no account anywhere in the Gospels of somebody, somebody walked into Stop and Shop and they said, and Jesus was there. No, nobody ran into Jesus at the deli. That's not there. Every post-resurrection appearance was something that was instigated by Jesus. He initiated it. He met them. And if you think there's the story of Mary Magdalene being at the tomb that first Easter morning, and as she's at the tomb, Jesus appears to her. And then the disciples, at later on in that day, they were all in, in, in a room together, and they were in this house, and they were, they were locked in there because they were afraid that the Jews would come and would, would, would actually kill them next. And, and suddenly, in this room with the doors locked, Jesus appears in the room. He initiated it. And then there's what I said Friday, and I'll say again, is my favorite part of the Easter story, which is the two disciples of Jesus who the afternoon of Resurrection Day were walking back to their home in Emmaus because it was all over. It was done. Jesus had died and that was the end of it. And as they walked along there, Jesus suddenly joined them. So while it's true to say we know Jesus is alive because we met him, the reality actually is that we know Jesus is alive because he met us. Because for so many of us here today, for so many of you watching, listening online today, your testimony would be that Jesus came to where you were, that suddenly Jesus interrupted your life. Suddenly Jesus interfered in your life. And maybe at a time when you weren't particularly thinking about him or open to him, suddenly your heart started to lean in that direction towards the Lord. For some of you that are here this Easter Sunday morning, you're here because Jesus wanted you to be here because he wanted to meet you. You didn't realize that. It was a plot. <laughs> Jesus wanted to meet you. You know he's alive when you come to meet him. But I do want to tell you this as well. Jesus met those two disciples on the way to Emmaus. He talked to them for a while. Initially, they hadn't recognized him for whatever reason. And, and then it says this in Luke chapter 24 and verse 28. It says... They came to the edge of the village where they were headed, and he acted as if he were going on. I, I do want to mention this. While Jesus will interrupt our lives, he will never impose himself upon us. So he hung out with them for a while, and he was there and available, but there came a point where he was ready to go on if, if, if they didn't want him to hang out. And it was up to them then to say, Lord, I want you to stay. And, and sometimes, you know, when, when the Lord starts to really impress on our hearts a need of him or an interest in him, there comes a point then where we've got to reach out ourselves and start to say, yeah, Lord, I really do need you. 
he was going to go on, they asked him to stay. Listen, the faith journey, eternal life, begins with a personal encounter with Jesus. It's an individual thing. You can't be born a Christian. You can be born into a Christian family. You can't be born a Christian. There's only one way to become a Christian. You're born again. And I know that's an abused, uh, hackneyed phrase, but it's a Bible phrase. You've got to have a spiritual birth as much as you had a, had a natural birth. And it's an individual thing. Jesus said in John 5, 24, very, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Whoever hears my word, it's a personal thing. It's an individual thing. The whoever who hears, the whoever who then believes, receives eternal life and has crossed over from death to life. I love that. Eternal life is not what we get when we leave this earth. Eternal life is what we receive when we trust Christ as our Savior. It happens there and then. We cross from death to life in that moment. Death's finished for me. This body will give up one day, but death has already been defeated for me. I have already crossed from death to life through putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior. It's a personal thing. It's the point God wants every one of us to come to. It's for whoever. John 6, 40. This is what my Father wants, that anyone who sees the Son and trusts in who He is and what He does and then aligns with Him will enter real life, eternal life. That's what the Father wants. And if you have not yet received the gift of eternal life, I just want to tell you this Easter Sunday, the Father wants you to be His. He wants you to be His. We know Jesus is alive because we've met him. And, and thank God we continue to. Now, this is the kind of thing that would really get you kind of in, in, in all kinds of trouble with people who are of no faith or of little faith. But if I tell you that, that, that I, I have encounters with the Lord from time to time, is that okay or are you getting freaked out? I'm not saying I met Jesus face to face. I'm not saying Jesus appeared to me. I'm, I'm saying I've been in situations where I've been aware of the fact that I'm not alone and I'm not standing alone and I just feel His love around me and embracing me. You know what I mean? That's how I know Jesus is for real. I met Him and He's met me. It is absolutely an ongoing thing. Hey, He meets us here when we worship together in a special way. The Lord comes to us and is among us, and we meet with Him. It is true. The Lord has risen, and we know because we've met Him. And then secondly, we know because He talks to us. Now, people who don't understand this could really go to town now, right? <laughs> he hears Jesus. Yes, I do. Isn't that wonderful? I've never heard him talk in this ear. I've never heard a voice, but I've known the Lord speak to me. It's like so many of you today have heard the Lord speak to you. Is that right? It's a real thing. 
So, so Jesus is with this, the, these two disciples going to the village of Emmaus. They are on the edge of the village. He, he's making out as if he's going to go further and just leave them to it. And they say, hey, why don't you come to our house and have dinner with us? And so he goes to their house. And then here's what it says in Luke 24, verse 30. It says, he sat down at the table with them. And taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. It was while they were sitting around the table, fellowshipping together. It was when Jesus gave thanks for the food that they realized who he was. Just in the simple everyday act of, of just sharing the meal, and the normal thing would be somebody broke the bread to start the meal, and they gave thanks for the bread. Jesus assumed that role. Jesus did that. And in that moment, it's like, it's, it's him. It's him. I love the fact that we can hear Jesus in the everyday events of life. I love that Jesus will talk to us in any and every situation we're in and wherever we might find ourselves. I, I love that you don't have to come here on a Sunday morning and this is your only chance ever of hearing God. But I do love the fact you come here on a Sunday morning. In the book of Exodus, it talks about Moses who became the leader of the children of Israel out of slavery. And it talks about one day he was just out in the middle of nowhere tending sheep and, and he saw a bush that was burning and what got his attention was it burned but it, it, it like never was consumed. And so he goes over towards it and then out of the burning bush, he hears the voice of God talking to him. So God talks to Moses out of a burning bush. I am so glad God has never talked to me out of a burning bush. <laughs> because if God talked to me out of a burning bush, I don't think my heart, especially nowadays, would be totally up to that. I think I'd be done. Or, or in the New Testament, you, you've got Saul of Tarsus, who was a, the arch persecutor of the church, and he's on his way to Damascus to persecute the believers there. And as he's going towards Damascus, suddenly there's this brightest of bright lights that outshines the noonday sun that shines from heaven, and he falls off of his horse, and a voice from heaven says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm glad God didn't talk to me from a bright light out of heaven. I'd be done. But I love the fact that God just whispers His Word, His promises, His truth in different ways. God does speak. Back in the, um, oh man, a long time ago, back in the, the early or mid-70s, uh, I was pastoring a church in, in the north of England. and. Uh, I spent the first 14 years of ministry with, with the Assemblies of God, who are, who are a great denomination, but how many of you know that I wouldn't really fit into a denomination? <laughs> right? I, I, I don't do too good playing by the rules. So, um, so I had 14 good years, and, and all my Christian roots came to know the Lord in the Assemblies of God Church. I mean, it's all good stuff. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying I wasn't a good fit. But I spent the first 14 years. And, and then around that time when I'd started pastoring, it's like pastors only stayed for a, a certain period of time in any church, and then you moved on to another church. 
And there was, there was always this traffic, you know. So I'd been pastoring this church in the north of England for three years, and then a friend of mine said to me, he said, I just came back from doing some preaching in a church in Scotland that's looking for a pastor. I think you'd be a great guy for up there. What do you think? I said, no, I'm good. And then a number of weeks later, I met somebody else. Uh, and he was a pastor within, within our circles. And he said, he said, I heard from a church in Scotland, they're looking for a younger pastor. Would you be up for it? And I said, no, I'm good. And then a few weeks after that, I was at this pastor's retreat, and one of the pastors there said to me, he said, I was just up in Scotland last weekend because there's a church there without a pastor. They asked me to go preach for them, and they're saying what they're looking for, and Roger, it's you. And since he was the third guy to say it, I said, I'll pray about it. Right? That's always the, that's, that's the spiritual answer. Right? You don't want to do it. You don't plan to do it, but you want to get them off your back. So you say, yeah, I'll pray about it. So, so, so I'm like, I'll pray about it. So I go home that evening and, and I tell Jill, I said, you know, this guy said this. I said, I, I don't know. I said, here's what I feel. You know, we've only been here for three years. And we're reading the Bible together that same night. And the pattern of our Bible reading brought us into Acts 20. And Paul's speaking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And here's what, here's what I read that night. Acts 20, verse 31. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And I felt God spoke to me that night. Right? I'm saying, well, three years. I can't, and then... It, Here's Paul, he was in Ephesus, how long? Three years, then he moved on. And what came out of that was a whole different ministry of 15 years in Scotland. God spoke to me, I, I'm happy to say that, God spoke to me, God spoke to me clearly through his word. And, and God speaks to us about the big things and the little things. Now this is gonna really worry some of you, but I'm gonna tell you this. A few, a few weeks ago, one morning, I was putting out the garbage. It was early in the morning, so I go to take the, take the trash out to the curb. And when I go out and I turn around to come back towards the house, I see, I see a big rainbow in the sky. Now, I have seen a few rainbows in my lifetime. And often Jill will say, wow, look at that rainbow. And I say, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a rainbow. Rainbow, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet. Okay, I got that. I learned that in school. But that morning, I looked up and I saw that. And my, 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 in my heart, I heard the words from the book of Genesis where God said to Noah, I have set my bow in the heavens. And you know what? There was no, there was no Hebrew word for, for rainbow. God used the word bow. So you know what God was telling Noah? I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm on your side. The rainbow's my bow. It's not just something pretty. I put my bow in the heavens. And just that morning in that instant, it was like God reminded me, I'm totally on your side. And it really did me good. I wasn't feeling kind of discouraged or downhearted or that anybody wasn't on my side. But I just, it lifted me up. So I'm going to tell you, God spoke to me that morning. Is that okay? Amen. That's okay. Some of you guys are getting worried. You know, Roger's talking about rainbows. I didn't say anything about unicorns though, did I? All right, so we're good, so we're good. 
I know Jesus is risen from the dead because he talks to me. And so do you, right? We know. We know because we've met him. We know because he talks to us. And here's the big one. We know because he has turned us around. We know that Jesus is risen because he turned us around. There's something quite interesting, a little detail about that story about the two disciples going to Emmaus, and that is this. They were leaving Jerusalem the afternoon of Resurrection Day, and they were traveling towards their home village, and actually they were traveling west. So they were walking towards the sunset. Jesus was dead. Some people had said he was alive again, but they hadn't seen him. Their hopes were dashed. It was all over. And you know what they were doing? They were walking into the sunset. It was done. Discouraged, depressed, walking gloomily, into the darkness. I put a question on Facebook a week or two ago, and I, I put this question. I said, can you help me with my Easter Sunday teaching? Give me one word that describes your life before you knew Jesus. And I got back an unbelievable list of words that reminded me that life without Jesus is walking into the sunset. It really is. They started in Jerusalem, and Emmaus was west. We're kind of almost there. For you purists, this isn't directly, but it's west-ish. I want you to hear some of these words. Empty, void, turbulent, angry, confused, sad. Scared, despair, sluggish, bewildering, lost, lonely, unfulfilled, miserable, chaotic, tense, unrest, egomaniac, anxious, afraid, incomplete. And that's only part of the list. And the three words that occurred the most on that list that were repeated, or the two words that were repeated most frequently were these, empty and lost. Empty and lost. Walking into the sunset, empty and lost. And walking towards the darkness, empty and lost. Here's what it says in Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Resurrection Sunday, a new day dawned. Very early in the morning, 
Very early in the morning, at sunrise, everything turned around. And what I want to just remind you of today is this. When you encounter the risen Christ, it's sunrise, it's morning, and everything turns around. Everything changes when you meet the risen Christ. The believer's journey is not a journey into darkness and despair. The believer's journey is a journey not into night, but towards a bright day that is dawning and getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Proverbs 14 and verse 18 says this, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. So when we meet Jesus, what Jesus does is he brings brings us to the dawn of a new day and we start on a new way that grows brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until that perfect day when we will stand with Jesus and all his people celebrating in heaven itself. Jesus turns our lives around. I know Jesus is alive because he turned my life around. And those two disciples on the way to Emmaus, you know what happened to them? They were there and they were going towards the darkness. When they realized it was Jesus and he must be alive, you know what they did? They turned around and they went back to Jerusalem to tell the story boldly of Christ being risen. They weren't nervous about the night. They weren't nervous about the chance of robbers setting on them. They wanted to go, and they wanted to tell the good news. They didn't understand it all. They'd only just witnessed it very briefly, because as soon as they recognized him, he was gone. But the thing is, they knew that Jesus is alive. there's, There's so much we don't know, because we're talking about God. But I love the statement in John's Gospel, chapter 9, where a blind man Jesus had healed said this. He said, I know one thing for sure. I was blind. I now see. How do I know Jesus is alive? I was blind. I now see. Amen? I was blind. I now see. That's how I know that Jesus is alive. One thing we know for sure, the Lord is risen because we've met him because he talks to us, and because he turns our lives around. And if you have not met the risen Christ in a personal way yet, I want to invite you this Sunday morning to open your hearts to Jesus, to trust him as your Savior, and really come to know the risen Christ. Let's pray together.